and welcome to the Mission Mindset, the new podcast series from Alpha Ireland. I am John Quinn, the Director of Church Engagement for Alpha Ireland, and I'm delighted to be joined by Dominic Parham. I'll say that nice and clearly. I, I think everyone everyone heard that, didn't they? They, they got that. <laughs> I think so. Dominic, what is your I, role, though? They I'm, might not have heard it, but they don't know what you do. I am the National Director of Alpha Ireland, and what a, what a joy it is to be here with you, John, and... and uh, and to be part of this new initiative of ours. Absolutely, a new initiative indeed, a terrifying idea that uh, fairly regularly we're gonna be sitting down having some conversations around what's happening in the world. We don't think that there's enough podcasts in the world, so we need to kind of add uh, a little bit more in. But I think ideally there there is an actual reason for why we're doing this, Dom. Why have Alpha Ireland decided to do a podcast series? Well, um, well, as you say, there's not enough podcasts. Well, I mean, I'm a big fan of podcasts, and maybe you are too, John. There's a lot of different things you can learn. And we really are hoping um, to serve the church in Ireland, and that's across the board. There are hundreds and hundreds of churches out there trying to figure out what to do uh, when it comes to mission. And that's what Alpha Ireland is here for, uh, is really just to serve you, if it's you, who's a church leader or someone who's enthusiastic for the church to be active and learning and growing, we're here for you as a, as a team, as a group. And this podcast, and I guess all the things we do as well, are just, this is just a, another way to sort of open up a channel of discussion and learning. Because all of us are learning, I think, John, on the go. I mean, I suppose the best example is what Jesus and his disciples were doing all the time, you're at Jesus's feet and you're trying to learn from him and learn what to do and he sends you out and he doesn't give you very much preparation so <laughs> um, everything we do at Alpha Ireland is about sort of trying to take that next step what's the next obvious step to take and what's the vision we need and the dream we need to really want to reach out to the young reach out to families in our communities and all the work you're doing John and the team are doing um, is great in this regard and it's wonderful to be a part of it. I think the interesting thing is that we're trying to kind of uh, have ourselves uh, as a resource uh, for churches who are out there, as you say, church leaders perhaps, uh, people who are running Alpha or who are maybe trying to find better ways of moving their church from maintenance to mission in Ireland today, post-pandemic. What does that look like? How are we going to try and uh, see the challenges that are there and come forward? And I think you're right, you know, we exist to equip and serve the church and that's what this is. We're going to try and keep it short and sweet each each time we have it, we'll probably be out every couple of weeks. And the idea is that myself and Dom might have a conversation around something once. Um, and uh, even today, we're going to have a very brief chat. And then we're going to hear from a conversation that I had with um, Bishop Michael Ruder. So we'll be hearing from different leaders, church leaders, or people who are engaged in different things. And uh, this conversation that I'll have with uh, Bishop Michael was a really uh, brilliant one. He's uh, an amazing guy, uh, a, a fan of Alpha and a friend of Alpha. And uh, it was brilliant to be able to sit down with him recently and to have a conversation. And um, you know, he's the auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese of Armagh, so he has a very particular role in the church. And it was brilliant to hear, you know, how he has seen the past kind of couple of years uh, in Ireland and, and some of the hopes and challenges that are out there, and also his passion for unity as well. It was it was really amazing to hear. Yeah, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to hear Bishop Michael recently speaking at a church service. Um, uh, near where I live and I really think he's a wonderfully eloquent uh, fellow and a very, a very, got a very very clear vision for the country and for for the church and the role the church has to play 
um, as this positive force um, serving the spiritual needs of the people. And through Alpha and his involvement with that and his vision for for mission, I think it's really lovely. And this is a great conversation, John. Yes, I'm really looking forward to it. So it's about a 25-minute conversation. So uh, plenty, if you're going out, just have a nice little walk now, put in the earphones and have a listen. I'm really excited to introduce Bishop Michael Ruder of the Archdiocese of Armagh. Uh, so I'm really delighted today to be welcomed by Bishop Michael Ruder, who is the Auxiliary Bishop in the Archdiocese of Armagh. It's uh, wonderful to have you with us today, Bishop Michael. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very much, John. It's good to be with you too. Um, it, we've kind of uh, had the, I've had the pleasure of meeting you a few times over the past um, couple of years, but could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and where you've come from uh, in leading up to your position there um, in the Archdiocese of Armagh? I'm from Virginia in County Cavan. I'm a Cavan man. I was uh, ordained for the Diocese of Kilmore uh, back in uh, 1989. So I'm 32 years ordained a priest uh, this year. And uh, I worked in various different roles in the Diocese of Kilmore. I was, uh, first of all, in a parish uh, full-time as a curate for about two years. And then I went full-time teaching in College in Cavan. Uh, and then I went moved to Baylorborough Community School, where I was chaplain there, Baylorborough Community School, and also uh, a part time curate in the neighboring parish of Kinnam Wood to Walker. Then after that, I went back for further studies. Uh, I did a master's in, in uh, Matter Day. Then on going back to the diocese, I, I was given the job of, of director of adult faith formation pastoral development in the diocese, as well as being in, in uh, Castle Tower Parish. Uh, and I was at that for uh, 10 years, three of which I was full-time at that. I, I took over the pastoral centre in, in Caventown as well, and I was director of the pastoral centre. Um, and then Cavan for a year as curious, and then to Baylorborough as parish priest for five years, and then got the call in 2019 to uh, become the auxiliary bishop in the archdiocese, and uh, it was quite a shock to be to be asked uh, to, to be the auxiliary bishop. Now, I suppose one of the the selling points for me was that I was an auxiliary bishop rather than uh, the ordinary of the diocese, the bishop of the diocese, which uh, is a lot of, of responsibility, huge responsibility. Uh, I'm assisting as auxiliary bishop, I'm assisting uh, assisting uh, Archbishop Eamon Martin. Uh, who's the uh, Archbishop of Armagh and Primate of Ireland as well. Uh, so he's a very, very busy man. I just don't know how he manages to, to do everything that is, he is asked to do, but uh, hopefully my presence in the, in the diocese does give him a little bit of, of assistance and help to be able to concentrate on some of the, the major issues that he does have to concentrate on throughout the whole uh, Irish church and, and on the island of, of Ireland. Mm. Um, so that's it. I'm two years now as auxiliary. I, two years, I think, next week sometime uh, since I was uh, ordained uh, a bishop. Uh, so it has been challenging, very challenging in that time. I suppose major challenge has been that uh, 14, 15 months of that time has been taken up with COVID-19 and with various different lockdowns and all the rest. So it's not what I expected. It has certainly uh, changed the nature of, of the work, I suppose, and uh, limited my opportunities to 
to get out there and to get around the diocese and to, to meet as many people as I would like to have done and to visit as many places as I would like to. It has been it has been challenging. It has been uh, difficult. And I think leadership role in the Irish church nowadays yeah. is difficult, regardless of COVID-19 or not. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting one that you mentioned. I, I know that you kind of have that um, role of adult faith development uh, being really yes. important to you as well. Have you seen an impact from the pandemic around the likes of adult faith formation? Yeah, well, actually, there's been an impact on on everything. Um, I was in the role, as I said, for for ten years, a little more, and uh, it was basically organising courses through the pastoral centre in Cavan and going out to parishes and working with the pastoral councils, working with the people who were involved in a sense to try and give them a greater understanding of their role and the importance of their role, uh, which is so uh, crucial going forward. You know, I mean, as we all know, there the numbers of priests are diminishing. We don't have the same numbers of clergy uh, and that there's a lot of, of disadvantages to that. But there are in some ways there are advantages too and that more and more lay people will get involved and actually will stand up and, and take responsibility for the running of the parish and for the mission of the church. But they do need, they do need preparation. They do need help in faith formation. And I think that's one area that we have been poor enough at in Ireland. I mean, it was always a struggle. I was in the role from 2003 to uh, 2013, uh, those 10 years. And also going back a little bit now, I mean, that's eight years ago. It wasn't easy to, to get people to realise perhaps that adult faith formation was something that they, they needed, um, something that was uh, important. So I ran a number of, of larger courses as well. I mean, I was doing little bits in parishes to help people who were at the centre, you know, who are in the core group, I suppose, of the parish. But we ran a course in conjunction with Matter Day, and we ran a course then in conjunction with Maryvale in Birmingham. And uh, there was a good uptake, I suppose, between both courses. 170 people, roughly, altogether were involved. And it, you could take it at any level you wish. I mean, it was just simply for your own enjoyment, or some people actually went on and completed degrees and some, one or two, even did masters as a result of starting the course. You know, so I think when people got involved, if people actually uh, sat down and studied, maybe after twenty years away from the books, basically, and and they began to really focus on their faith. How reasonable it is to believe that was a, an eye opener for so many people. You know, that's a lovely point that there is, there can be a reason. A reason, uh, yes. At the heart of this, uh, and yeah. it's not, you know, faith and reason. Sometimes there's that big question about whether they're mutually exclusive. But I, I, I agree with you that when people have that opportunity to be able to look again as adults at stuff, that perhaps they can be surprised at the reason that can back uh, some of this up. Yes, exactly. And uh, you know, I suppose most people they, they existed on what they what they were thought in preparation for first communion and confirmation. That was fine to an extent. I mean, a lot of people have a, a devotional faith. They don't need to question it beyond that uh, to some degree. But I think if you really want to uh, create disciples in today's world who are willing to stand up and to defend the faith, uh, then they have to be formed. They have to, they have, to have a, you know, a deeper understanding uh, of, of who Christ was, who Jesus was. Why did he come? What was he saving us from? I mean, I think that's a big question that people have nowadays. You mean, saying, are you saved? Uh, people say, from what? You know, because we lost our sense of sin. Mm. People 
wonder, you know, what is Jesus saving them from? And we have this sort of packaged view of Jesus as just being a nice man, you know, who, who uh, treated everybody well, which he did. I mean, there's there was nothing wrong with that. But there was also an edge, uh, as you know, John, to his message uh, and a real challenge there uh, about the type of society we create, about how we interact and how we, we relate to, to each other. And that oftentimes isn't picked up on, you know, isn't picked up on at all. Because we have childish faith, we're supposed to have a childlike faith. That's different to being a, to a childish faith. You know, a childlike is trusting God, uh, but a childish faith is holding on to things that don't make much sense to an adult. You know, and and we, we need to, to be able to reason with people who are, and there are so many people in the media and so many people we meet at work and uh, out in the pub or whatever will challenge us on the basic tenets of our faith. Once they see that we are, um, you know, a practicing Christian, an active uh, Christian, and try to live our Christian faith, people will challenge us, and they will say it's all nonsense. You know, why, why, what are we doing? We're living in the fairy tale. A lot of people, once they, they hear that, they just kind of put their head down and stay quiet. You know, but we need people to, to stand up and to defend their faith. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, that that it can be off-putting when someone comes to you and says, give me the reason for your faith. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and that's one of the things, you know, obviously in, in the gospel, we're challenged to be able to live our life in such a way that people will ask us that question. But so often we don't really have that answer for it. No. And, and, and you have uh, experience of, of Alpha, which is obviously a good opportunity to bring people um, together to ask these questions, to, to look in uh, detail around the person of Christ and who he was and what it is that uh, he was going to save us from. Could you speak a little bit about your experience of Alpha um, in, in the past when you were in yeah. uh, Bellybrook? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it was something that was kind of always in the background that I meant to get involved in a little bit earlier, particularly when I was a director of, of Adult Faith Formation, but never did. But um, when I was parish priest in 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 Bailabur after a number of years. Uh, I felt that there was a need to to to. Um, so I was meeting loads of people who who were with a strong faith, you know, who were very good people who were very involved in the church and all the rest, but they they would shy away from from talking about their faith, you know. So I felt there was there was an, a need for that opportunity, and uh, Alpha, I think, just. It the bill perfectly. It, it, it's an exceptional course. Now it's basic, doesn't get into any great detail, uh, and an ecumenical course. So any denomination can can be involved. And we actually uh, joined up. I joined up with the Reverend Dean Horner, who was the uh, the Protestant Church of Ireland uh, minister in in Bailborough. And there would be a, a sizable uh, Church of Ireland population in Bailborough. Uh, and in that that area, so uh, we we promoted it together. We worked on it together, and we got about seventy people uh, who came to to each night. I'd say about fifty of those were Catholic, and maybe twenty uh, Church of Ireland uh, or different denominations. It, it was a great experience, really, uh, probably one of the most enjoyable things I ever did uh, as a priest, and the most fulfilling. I got a great team with me, seven or eight people who facilitated groups each night, and uh, we prepared them in advance, and it was great for them as well. It was, it was a great way for them to learn 
uh, about their faith. But the, the, the video resources and that, they are exceptional. I mean, they are, and, and everyone was so impressed uh, by them, and uh, they were so convincing. They really got uh, the groups talking. I mean, they couldn't wait to get into the small groups afterwards, talking through the issues. I think if we're to face the challenges that the world lends to us nowadays, there has to be greater unity between the Christian denominations. We have to, to uh, find solutions to some of the problems we have between ourselves and to present a more united image, in a sense, to people uh, to, to continue the mission of Christ. But uh, it was a fantastic um, course. We, we did it in a hotel, a local hotel. Uh, they provided us with, with tea and with apple tart at the beginning of each of each session. I think that was the reason why a lot of people came back, basically, because whatever they put in the apple tart was really fantastic. So uh, it was a major, major aspect of, 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 you know, that I think it's a really good point that, that Alpha have of starting with a meal, starting with that uh, sharing uh, over food. Because uh, that breaks down barriers immediately between people, you know. It's an interesting one there that you that you say uh, about obviously the collaboration that you have between the churches. Um, but I'm interested a little bit. Did you? And so obviously it was brilliant that you and uh, Reverend Ian are able to work together in that way. And do you think that that helped then the two kind of congregations or, or the people coming from different backgrounds? when they see that kind of leadership that they kind of know, okay, well, actually this might be a little bit of a safe space for me to be able to just come in and, and to be able to share and hear from uh, people from a different background and denomination as well. Yeah, I think you put your finger on it there by saying safe space. Uh, people are very reluctant, as I've said, to speak about their faith uh, with a group that they don't know terribly well, even with relatives, even with friends sitting around the table, having a, having a dinner with family members dangerous to bring up any issue of faith you know it can, it can lead to an argument so when these people were coming into a situation where they knew that everyone was to some degree off the same page uh, that they were all there to, to find out about their faith and to, to learn and to discuss and um, I think it's very important for the facilitators and for those who are leading an alpha course just to make people very comfortable right from the beginning and say, look at anything you think of, any question you have, this is your opportunity to ask it. Don't worry whether it sounds stupid or whether you think that this, well, a five-year-old should know this. Why am I asking this question? That's not the case. Every question is important. Every issue that comes up is very important. So it's vital for facilitators and leaders of, of Alpha courses to make people very comfortable from the beginning. And once people feel that, once people know that, they absolutely anything in the group and they're not going to be shot down, uh, that nobody is going to turn on them and challenge them for their for their understanding, then that just opens doors immediately and, and, and people really, really enjoy that. You know, um, the spirit begins to work, I think, in the group then very easily once the barriers are broken down. Uh, and uh, yeah absolutely uh, you're right it's create you that word the safe space is so yes. vitally important regardless of of who it is that you're inviting to uh, helping them to feel that they have that safe space and somewhere to go is so important mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really interested in, in where you're at now um, Bishop Michael in being in the Archdiocese of Armagh obviously um, you, you know you're working with um Archbishop Eamon Martin and 
as you said, like all the challenges and, and the um, everything that kind of goes along with that. But you are in a cross-border uh, diocese as well. And I'd just be interested to know, like, what are some of the opportunities that you see or what are some of the, are there any differences between, you know, parishes on one side of the border to the other? Or are you just seeing um, kind of the, the parishes uh, across the island of Ireland all kind of looking at things in the same kind of way and seeing the same kind of issues um, or and opportunities that are out there? Yeah, well, uh, as I said, I think to you at the beginning, I mean, 15 months of, of the time, two years that I've been here, uh, have been kind of under the whole COVID-19 uh, cloud in a sense, uh, which has sort of put a limit on, on the amount of time I've been able to get out there and get to know the diocese that terribly well. There is quite a difference uh, between the North and the South. The South has become secular in, in many ways. Um, you know, religion has been pushed to the margins to some degree. People just don't want to uh, to listen to us, particularly in media or in politics or whatever. You know, I mean, we're, we are pushed to the side and they just don't really want to listen to our voice. But even if they do, there'll be three others there to to, to knock us and to, to tear down what we, what we try to, to say or try to defend. Whereas in the North, by and large, I would find that there's a different attitude uh, to to religion, uh, you will definitely see more young people involved, uh, whether it's attendance at mass or going to various different meetings or groups or whatever it may be in relation to faith formation. Having said that, I mean, in the South, I think we've reached a situation where you have 10 or 15 percent of people in each parish uh, who are very committed uh, to their faith. and and uh, to their local church. And there, there's a great group of, uh, of people in each parish, I feel. Uh, you know, I've stood up against the tide in a sense and, and um, worked well with their, with their local parish priests in that to, uh, to try and create uh, this sort of safe space that you were talking about in, in the parish uh, for people to, to come in and to feel welcome. And, you know, I, I, I'm... I'm, I'm greatly encouraged by that in a sense, you know, that there are people who are willing to come forward and who are willing to get involved. And uh, I think there is a there's seeds being planted for, for a renewal. It may take a while. So many of the commentators will say, that, oh, the church is disappearing, we're in a post-Catholic Ireland, all this sort of thing. I don't think that's the case. I think it certainly will be smaller, but I think it will be more fit for purpose to some degree. And... Uh, with more of a sense of, of, of direction, of, of what it wants to achieve, uh, an understanding of the importance of, of mission rather than maintenance. You know, I mean, we, we've spent a lot of time in the church in Ireland maintaining things, you know, and maintaining all our schools and maintaining our parish property and doing all the things we have to do, which are very necessary, you know, in terms of looking after the sick or the dying or whatever. But wasn't maybe much outreach to, to people to try and to evangelize. But that's where we're beginning to turn to face that question. How do we evangelize people now, you know? Um, so I, I think in some ways, okay, the, the Northern Church is, is more alive and people have a greater affiliation with their parish. And I suppose there's a cultural element there as well. You know, it gives a sense of identity in an area of the country where, you know, you, um, identity is so important but you know 
maybe there's a little bit more work to be done there in terms of evangelization or reaching out to, to people. And I think maybe the South is just that little bit ahead, perhaps, in that, even though a lot of people would say that you're crazy to think that. But um, I think we realized in the South that the way that we were as church is kind of coming to an end. There is a new paradigm of church uh, being presented and we are moving painfully, very painfully uh, towards that. Um, and we know now that where exactly we stand, I think number of referendums that have been in, in recent years, we know where we stand. Uh, we, we know who's behind us and who isn't. Uh, and we, we realize that we have got to present our message in a different way. We've got to reach out there to people and not be afraid. I mean, that is the crucial thing. Do not be afraid. I mean, that's what Jesus said to his disciples more than anything else. Be not afraid. You know, just get on with the job, you know. And in being not afraid, there is there is a need for a reliance on the Holy Spirit. And you, you've talked about it, you know, um, the hurt maybe that, that's gone along with realizing that maybe we're not in the place that we were. Um, but but in relying on the Holy Spirit, can you speak a little bit about um, the importance of a church relying on the Spirit um, for mission and outreach for moving forward? Yeah, I, I always feel that the, that the Holy Spirit was the neglected person of the Trinity in, in Ireland in particular for for a long time. You know, and I think as people are, are discovering the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, it is helping them to uh, to um, face a lot of the hurt and the pain and the difficulties nowadays and the whole that change brings, you know, change brings that sort of, of, of uh, questioning and 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 uh, I've noticed that that you know there is a growth in in charismatic groups um, and life in the spirit seminars. I mean, I've talked at several of them in Armagh and Dungannon and here in in Dundalk as well. And there's a great group of people involved in those, and they really are full of the spirit. I mean, they're they're um, full of enthusiasm, uh, and, and that's I think what the Holy Spirit brings to us. Regardless of what we face, regardless of how often we are put down or marginalized or insulted, uh, we just keep coming back, you know, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He fills us with all his gifts of courage and wisdom and all the rest and uh, gives us the, the fortitude to be able to face anything. And uh, I think that's vitally important. I think if we are to have renewal, uh, in Ireland, we need to rediscover the power of the Holy Spirit uh, working working through us. I really appreciate your time today, um, Bishop Michael. It's been brilliant to uh, hear from you, to get a sense as to where you've been at and, and where you feel that the church has been at. And, and, or I, I honestly don't think there's a better way to finish anything than with um, an individual call to personal holiness. <laughs> you know, yes. I, don't think, I don't think you go uh, too far wrong um, with that. I was wondering if you might uh, be willing and open to pray with those who are listening yes. uh, to us right now. If you'd be able to pray for us, please. Almighty Father, I ask you to send your Holy Spirit to be with us, to be with John and with Alpha Ireland, to be with the people of Ireland at this very crucial and very difficult and challenging time. Provide us with guidance. Provide us with inspiration and give us the strength and the courage to carry on, even though the whole world at times seems to be against us. 
Lord, as we begin our synodal process here in this country and as the synodal process begins throughout the world uh, under the guidance and the leadership and direction of uh, Francis, we ask you, Lord, that you will help us to walk together, to lead us into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, to come to know the person of Jesus, to have a personal relationship with him, so that through our relationship with him, we will come to live the way that you want us to, to love God, to love our neighbor in a real and authentic way. Lord, we ask you to be with us, to send your Holy Spirit to help us to do that, to help us to move forward together, not to be too worried about those who may be one step behind or one step ahead, but to know that we are on the road together and that if we reach out to you, turn to you on that road, that you will run to greet us. Trust in you, Lord, we we pray and we devote our lives to you. We hand over our lives to you and uh, we know that you are in charge. And despite all the difficulties, that you will bring us to a better place. All this, O oh Lord, we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Beautiful prayer. Thank you so much. That was uh, really moving and really powerful. Thank you so much, Bishop Michael, for your prayer and for your time today. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks very much, John. Pleasure to talk to you. Thank you.